Hello, everyone, and welcome to the American Scouser podcast. It is another Monday. I had called last week's episode Misery Monday, so God knows what the hell this is going to be. But I am your host, as always, Timuchin here in Chicago, and with me is the usual crew. First up, we have Gally. Gally, what's happening? Yeah, I'm here. It's Monday. Let's do this. BJ is even shocked. BJ is here with us. says, wow, Bickler's on time. We were kind of shocked too, but he just made the finish, like the photo finish right there. And came in. Bickler, what's happening, man? Listen up, you soccer sluts. We can't make the same joke every week. It, it doesn't work. If I'm always on time, I'm always on time. 30 seconds early, but makes it again. Alan is with us as always from Houston. Okay, so we have one hour here to solve Liverpool's problems. Uh, squad issues, uh, club, club, all that kind of stuff. And then we got to reserve some time to fix the refereeing and VAR and stuff. So a lot to go through and a lot to fix today. But as always, we do this first. Uh, the production value on the show is going up day by day by day. <laughs> and this is as high as it can freaking possibly get. So here we go. BJ's submitted... Trivia question. Overall record against Pep Guardiola managed teams, clubs across all competitions. Maybe I should give you guys a total number maybe to shoot for. Wait, uh, wait. 17 games in total. So that will at least, you know, get some uh, math involved. Big That's good. Like, God, I was going to say, say 500 and I can't do that now. Damn it. <laughs> Uh, yep, the question is on, Daz, and Bickler is starting us off with some trivia therapy. What's your oh, guess? God. 17 Let's games, go. get those numbers added up. Uh, five draws. Uh, the math, <laughs> the math capacity of this tree. How, wait, how, how many? How many? How many games did we? Seventeen. Say? Seventeen. Not to mention. Yeah, you know what? Memory. I stole for you all the time. I don't appreciate I'm, the attitude. No, but I'm confused myself. Is this against Liverpool? Is this against Klopp? What's the question? It's against us against Pep. So Liverpool be... versus Pep. Exactly. All right, I'll go seven wins, ten losses, five draws. Because it's the easiest math I could do. That was horrible math because it didn't total 17. <laughs> oh, wait. Yeah, you're right. Uh, <laughs> but, no, no, no. Hold on. I mean, hold on. Let's go. <laughs> so, okay, no, I'll go. No, I can't even. It's eight, eight, five, and four. I'll go six, six, and five. Ah, that equals dang, 17. You yeah. guys are mighty close. Uh, so out of the 17 games against Pep, we have seven wins. Six draws and four losses. Oh, wow. together, Paul. If we had put that shit together, our yeah. two brains, that, that, that counts. We that, got that half counts. Of, yeah, we could have got half of this right if we put our two fucking brains together. Yeah, I would have said you guys could take average, but I don't trust the math skills there to be able to do that. I mean, that we math, only got an hour show. You got to make the math easier. I guess 28 goals for, 30 goals against Pep. And then let's see what Even happens. Even Stevens, man, pretty close. Yes, not too shabby, not too shabby. A lot better than how the boys next, are doing. Next week game. should uh, definitely tilt that goal tally. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I that's was going to say, unfortunately. I didn't want to go there, but that's what I'm afraid of. Okay, so we're going to talk about the game, obviously, against the uh, Arsenal game. Um, a lot of things to get into, but let's start with this, because I know everybody's, you know, we can talk about the midfield. We didn't do the signings. The club didn't get younger. Is it club? If it's FSG, all that kind of stuff. But I guess my main question is, and these guys can be tired. They chase the quads, all, all that kind of bullshit. Trent can't defend all the stereotypes. Get those out of the way. Here's what I don't understand is once again, we start a game. One zero down. Like this one, like literally, like fifty seconds in. And I think you were saying it, Bickler. We're better off instead of just at least giving the momentum, saying, you know what? Why don't you guys start one goal ahead? We'll play catch up. That's how we roll. I mean, all that other shit, I don't think is an excuse for how poorly we start games. So, Gally, let's start with you on this one. What do you think is the cause of how bad? Because that's not like tiredness. That's not depth. None of that stuff makes any freaking sense when it comes to how poorly we start game. 
Well, I mean, it has to be tactical. There's something not getting through about the message or the men aren't up for the match. So it's either the person giving the message or the person hearing it, right? Like, do we all believe he's giving pre-match tactics that are setting his team up in a way to win? Or at least in his mind, we have to believe that. He's coaching them the same as he did three years ago when it was working. So something has changed. Either the message is getting lost, the players have heard it as stale, or the talent levels have dropped to a point where maybe for these old bones, it's a little harder to get up early. Maybe it's a little, the quick twitch early in the match is when we're getting picked out or these kind of subtle mistakes we're making. But, you know, the one thing I'll, the only thing I would take objection to and you're kind of lead into it is, is that this is the same team that was, you know, going on all fronts. Cause we talked about how, they really weren't great down the stretch of last campaign. But that doesn't affect how they start games. But that, that's when this started. This but start- this is the same team that used to start games great. Like, what has I, changed I, that this I, team now starts I, like crap? I, I, I think I'm telling you, I think this team has run out of gas, isn't deep enough, and is starting to lose the message. I think when you are at the top of the summit, it's easy to get screamed at from every angle and, and have it beaten into you. I think at some point you need to recharge and re-energize. I think this team didn't have anything it's in, in its batteries. And I think as the message is told, to me what it looks like on the pitch are guys that are disconnected with each other. Like they don't have a clear understanding of the plan. And that's when those mistakes happen. I can almost chart out every one of these early goals to an early mental mistake in almost every match. So that's preparation. Manager I mean, or player. Most goals, that's, I mean, obviously, you know, some kind of an error is going to cause it and it has to be mental. But Bickler, what do you think is the cause of that mental disconnect? Is it like Galley says, like the message is getting old or these guys are just not getting up for these games? You would think, I mean, at least, and, you know, me trying to be an optimist, I feel like, okay, this is the game now. They're going to be like, let's wake the fuck up. And it does not happen. So why do you think these poor starts? So I think it's a combination of reasons. I've said I think that they're physically and mentally exhausted, which I still, which I think is the crux of a lot of it. But I think the main thing is it's that this is a team that's made some tactical changes and lost its identity in the process. Mm-hmm. And I think when you look at the side, like there's no confidence. Like within the first 35 seconds of that match, the ball's back in our own box. Verge threads a ball through across the center of the pitch which like is like center back 101. Don't ever play that ball there. Matip plays it back to Becker. Becker can't clear it. He scrambles and almost gives it away in front of our pitch in the first 30 seconds. Yeah. And like, I mean, that's just like, that's just a lack of confidence in belief in what you're doing. Um, Like amongst three players that are arguably the best in their position in the entire world. Like, I just think that there's like, I think there's a lack of confidence, but I think there's just no identity. And I think like this, the idea that we just wait for teams to come out and see how they're going to play, like leads me to believe that we're, we're playing with this fear in the back of our mind that this team never had before. Um, And I just, I think it's just a real lack of confidence and identity. And I know You know, the system we play, unfortunately, requires everybody to be on the same page at the same time. Because if that press, if you're not trusting the guy next to you to do the press the same way you're doing it at the same time, obviously that press falls apart. And since our game is so based on the press, things go down. I mean, we were happy with the formation change, Gally. So we come out with the same way. I was not so too thrilled about that duo in midfield to start with. I thought Fab should have been in there. Uh, I actually thought it would be Fab and Hendo, but uh, what do you make of that lineup? Like, are you happy with the lineup the way it comes out? I I was arguing that I thought he I thought he would play with a four three three to be honest and go back to what you do best against a team like that. Arsenal's arguably run every side they've played this year, even United, who they lost to. They basically dominated the midfield, so I thought playing with just a midfield two was a real gamble. I thought there was a chance we might even start with Fab, Hendo, and Tiago just having Tiago deployed a little bit further in more of the attacking role. 
So you still could drop back and have a little bit more of the balance that you were used to. Um, not playing Fabinho seemed kind of criminal to me. And after seeing how Henderson looked in the first five minutes of the match, it kind of got proved out to be right because I, you know, we'll get to who we hang the different, I'm sure we have some blame pie for the different uh, factors in this match between our defense, certain players and Michael Oliver, but I didn't like the way Klopp set up with Tiago and Hendo in the midfield. I thought that was a recipe for disaster and it kind of got proved out. I mean, I know Fab's form has been kind of crap, Bickler, but you kind of felt like, you know, he got the probably the most rest out of that gang, I think, right, minutes-wise with the game prior. So you almost, like, expected him to be there. Uh, are you shocked that he was not? No, I wasn't shocked. And I disagree with Galley in the fact that this is the midfield I would have started. I would have started in this formation. I think it's our best – I think it's the best, most cohesive – way for us to attack Arsenal inside of a team that struggled offensively. I think that we've struggled like with the cohesion offensively. And I think to me, this, this was the play. This was the move. Is it a bit of a gamble? Sure. But like, to me, it becomes less of a gamble with the form that Fabinho is currently in. Like, and I think that this was the spot, like, and I think this was the team for that formation. Um, Say what you will about, you know, the game in general. I think we were probably overplayed over the course of the 90 in totality. Um, but I don't know that formation changes that, to be quite honest. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I, I was happy with the 4-2. Um, I just felt like one of them should have been Fab. And ideally, probably I would have said Fab and Hendo. Not that Hendo did it very well, neither did Thiago, obviously. But, but I mean, here's the thing. And when you look at it overall, over the first half, Take the, I know it's not fair, but take the first minute away, Galley, and take the last minute away. I mean, there were moments, I would say, about like 20, 25 minutes, especially in the first half, in the second part of the first half, where we were controlling the game. And obviously, we got the equalizer, and it looked like, you know, we were on track until obviously that defensive, you know, brain fart happens by Trent. Yeah, I mean, it's terrible defending by Trent. It's also, a, you know, as I think Carragher said on his whatever uh, commentary he was on, like, it's a free kick at the end of the first half in a really weak area. There's very little chance you're actually going to go up and score, and we send everyone up there, gangbusters, and leave the back wide open. Why don't you just lick your wounds? You're about to go into halftime in a match that, You've been outplayed in because Arsenal had two or three chances to score. Ali made a couple great saves in the first half too. So Jesus also had the empty net where he could have buried one down early. So it, again, at any moment, we know we're susceptible. And we just go to Paul's point, or maybe it was your point earlier. We just go like full guns blazing all the time. Like it, like we're at top form and we can play this way because we're going to bang in the goals and make up for anything that gets us. And right now I think we have to be like-minded defensive and we're just not, we gave up a goal within a minute and a half of the start of the whistle and within a minute of the end of it. And that's just like everything we're not. So, I mean, it, it it's like maddening just to even try to comprehend. And, I, and that's the thing. I mean, you would think, I mean, you look at the second half, even when we set back, we kind of like struggled and, I mean, mind you, Arsenal is a good team, obviously, but they were able to kind of like open us up, Bickler, even when, you know, the whole thought was like you set that four in the back, you put the two guys up front, you would think at least we're safe in the back and then we can try to hit them on the counter. But it didn't feel like we were safe in the back. And, you know, before that, you know, penalty happened where they got the third goal, we were still under constant pressure. I mean, I just don't... <laughs> It's like we set up correctly, but had the wrong actual instructions out there. I mean, they're they're a counterattacking team. That's how Arsenal kills you. They kill you on a counterattack. So why on earth would you ever push anyone up? Especially considering the fact that like this is not this is not a twenty twenty verge. I mean, this is this is like a verge that this is a Van Dyke that very well maybe passed it. 
Um, and he certainly looks two or three steps slower than his prime. And like, I just do not understand. Uh, I do not understand like just the insistence on pushing everybody up. Uh, I think Carragher says a lot of stuff. He gets a lot of stuff, right? I disagree with him a lot. I think he was spot on. Like it doesn't make any sense to push everybody up there. You're right before half. You finally stopped the bleeding. It felt like it felt like we sort of like had calmed the tide of the game at least. Yeah. And like mm-hmm. at least we're in a point where we could like, you know, it's like a prize fight where like at least we could get our breath from all the body blows, right? We could at least get some like recover, get our breath back and go again second half. And then it's just it just doesn't make any sense, man. Like we did the things that you do if you want to get killed versus a counterattacking team and they made us pay. And that's the thing, even then, honestly, you have the numbers if you defend that properly, and it's just horribly defended by Trent. I don't put the first goal on Trent at all. I know he's in the vicinity, and people who just want to blame him for anything, um, you know, like picks Trent over there. I mean, he has like three different things to defend over there, so not much he can do. Um, I mean, I, that's a combination of honesty that two in front of that defense is, I think, the problem. Uh, but, I mean, we had played well the rest of the first half. Uh, like, you know, Parto was saying now quite well in the first half. And, you know, obviously it falls apart in the second half. And I know a lot of the blame, everybody online, you know, we just never wanted to blame anybody but, you know, the players, except specific players uh, and, you know, like club. But so all the blame went to Oliver. So I want to get your guys' take on some of those calls. I mean, you can always argue that, you know, the 50-50 calls, which way they went and stuff like that. And there's always going to be some kind of like a home field advantage, and there definitely was. But the handball. Bickler, let's start with you on this one. Gabriel's handball. What do you make of that? Penalty? Not penalty? While the rules are gray as fuck, what do you make of that? Uh, So during the game... During the match, I was okay with it not being called. After the match, when I watch it back, it seems like he he brings his hand from behind his back, right? And so that's where I'm like, that's when I'm like, oh, like that hand is moving like in a position that's not natural towards the ball. So you can make an argument there, right? So it, it is a true 50-50 for me. Um, for me – if I'm, if I'm honest about both that and the later call in the match, like if you're not going to give one, I feel like neither should be given. If you're going to give one, like I feel like both should be given. I think that's where, what's killer is like when there's like an, it's, when, when there's an inconsistency on two 50-50s that go the wrong way for one team on both of them, that's where it gets real hard. That's where it gets real difficult. Uh, I think it could have gone either way. I, I, I don't like when handballs are given in that close of proximity, when the defender is that close to the defender. Uh, it just, I think that's, that's tough. Uh, that's tough to call. And I think that was the, you know, that was obviously the explanation behind it, that he was like really close. It is not in the normal body. But then they changed the wording, and instead of making it more clear and like more like black and white, they just kind of like expanded that gray area a bit more and made it more sure. like more like a – opinion kind of a call there galley i mean what do you make of that do you think that should be called as a penalty i think the law is too ambiguous to have a re have a definitive answer to this and that's the problem like anyone can look at that and give you three different reasons is his arm in a natural position well he'd argue that when running to the byline and trying to keep up with a player and another guy that having his arm to this side as he leans this way keeps his arm in a natural position, and then the ball is kicked from two yards away, hits his arm, therefore it shouldn't be a penalty. Liverpool supporter will say it looks a lot like what happened in the Newcastle match, and Dan Byrne gets hit with the penalty. And once again, the consistency is in two different matches, a very similar instance is adjudicated completely different, right? And it's all about how they see it. In my opinion, you don't have to call a handball there. I think the fact they didn't call a handball there on the field means there's nothing VAR can do, which is why I had no problem. Because all they could do is ask Michael Oliver to go look at the monitor. And I honestly believe in that spot, Oliver's going to go look at the monitor and say, I saw this. He waved it off in real time. He said he saw it. He made it clear because he waved it out like it was nothing. So, you know, the first penalty on the handball, 
I didn't have a huge problem with it not being given. And I'm going to stay true on this, and I'll say it again later. If that is Virgil running down the side and Saka tucks that up into his arm, we're not screaming today that should have been a penalty. And I know we look at it through, like, the rose-colored glasses, but it was that close. I think if you put yourself in that situation, we're not yelling penalty there if it's a neutral match. And I think that has to get <clears throat> taken into account of how you actually believe. See, I think that's why the whole, like, natural arm position is kind of like, you know, is makes it very subjective because that, I mean, it really depends from player to player and, you know, where you put it and almost like opens the door because then when you're, if you're like sliding to prevent a cross or something like that, I mean, you can freaking like sprawl out and, you know, you can say that this is how I roll. This is how I slide. I mean, I think in that situation, it was more of like the proximity that he did not have a chance to pull it back. But I think it goes back to what you were saying, Bickler, where it looked like that hand came from the back and you know like kind of like made himself bigger and i think that should be the rule he's trying to ultimately block that ball in and that's what he did i mean i think if that gets called against us and this is like how i'm you know how i want to look at all these calls if it was for us against us i feel like if it's van dyke and that happens i can see that as being a penalty i would like it sucks but it is what it is he has his arm out there well, let's, look, I think the, the wording of the, the, the new wording of the rule, and this is a cynical, like probably a bit of a cynical take, but I think that that's intentionally ambiguous. I think they intentionally made it grayer because I don't think, I don't think the objective there is to ever get that call consistently made. I think it's to make it so that the rule essentially lessens the burdens on the official. Okay. Like I think it's intentionally gray so that, like the officials are, it's essentially making it a discretionary decision so that the refs never get it wrong in that situation. That's how I view that. Um, but and I that's just probably bit... him up worse. I know what you're saying, and as cynical as we are, I agree. But doesn't that make it worse because it creates more of an argument as opposed to if it was like your arm is away from your body, it's a penalty. I think that it's I think easier. that they view it as the fact that it's going to be an argument either way. Might as well make it easier on the official. This way, there's no the official can't be actually proven wrong right i mean it can be proven wrong but it makes it easier on the official too and it makes it you know less kind of a discussion point because it's not as subjective if the arm is away from the body it's a penalty isn't that a lot easier makes it a lot more like black and white because i think it all goes back to you know as you make it subjective kind of like what Sparta was saying you know i've seen them given thing is what the problem is. That's why we go back when something like this happens. We're like, we look at that game. We look at this game. I mean, just this week, the next day, you can see it in the like the, the Rashford situation. It's like, what the hell is a handball? What is not? If they made just, that rule, you know, more clear and said, if it's away from the body and it changes your hand, I don't care if it's intentional. I, I don't care if it's close. It's on you. Isn't that a lot easier across the board? That's the part I'm, I'm struggling with. I don't know. I... It's like the opposite. Should we should we give back the Champions League final against Tottenham? Because that looked a lot less. I, I'd say the Arsenal match here looked more a handball than what was called against than was called against Tottenham to start the Champions League final in 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 the match with Spurs, where we get the handball called for us. You know, I, I think it is subjective. That's the whole situation. It's the referee on that, that day. It's how they see it, and there's supposed to be VAR to find those egregious errors, and I don't think one way or the other you were going to get that changed. So what Michael Oliver said, so to Paul's point, by putting it in the match official's hands by a subjective call, it really has to be an egregious, egregious mistake on something like handball to get it overturned or to get VAR to get involved, which is why I think we saw what we saw. He didn't call it on the pitch, and therefore there was nothing – there I mean, was no discussion, VAR, didn't call it. but it fucks over Oliver. Whereas, well, if you so said, this is going to lead this arm, is going to this is going to lead into the next discussion when we talk about the Diago Gabriel decision. Yes, but Michael, and this is this is the problem with the fraternal order and the way that VAR is set up. I think that the rules are are starting to be expanded, and the new verbiage is being added so that VAR has less of an impact in these games. But here's the other problem with it when we have VAR officials in this paternal order referees that all hang out together. In the Nottingham match, 
Michael Oliver was called over the pitch side monitor about one of his decisions in that match. He essentially lit into those guys and basically told them he did not appreciate being told that he needed to come over to the monitor. Like, and so like that shit factors in here though. I mean, so that's my point. Now we have that situation with Gabriel and Tiago. Who's going to tell Michael Oliver, you might want to have a ticket second look at this one, right? Who's going to do that? And honestly, if you're looking at that replay and you see any contact whatsoever, you kind of are forced to stay with the call that's on the field, right, wrong, or indifferent. Correct. But like I say, with the handball thing, I think that we're going to get to the second one. I think with the handball thing, Jamie says, so defenders had to defend with the hand behind the back bullshit, which, you know, they're kind of almost having to already. But uh, so, it's, no, it's natural to have your hands out, which is, yeah, and that's fine. Ball touches that hand, tough shit penalty. And I, I agree to that. I mean, if you're if that's how you're going to run, that's going to go there. If Sissoko freaking like puts his arm up like he's about to fucking fly and the cross hits it, even if it's not going towards the goal or whatever, it's not a shot. It's tough shit. It's a penalty. Keep your goddamn arms down. You know, you're not flying. And that's my point. You know, if they made the rule a lot more clearer in terms of, you know, where the hand should be and when it's a handball, when it's not, because that stuff is a handball on the field. If that happens, the problem is, the problem is then you get into that discussion of intent. Don't you remember that one with Tottenham? Like it was in injury time and the guy had his back turned, but his hand was up like this. Like yes, he was like yes. this and it hit his hand. They called it. It was like an injury time. None of us agreed with that call, but by the letter of the law, his hand was like in an unnatural position, even though he was completely unaware of like the I'm actual flow of play. So, I mean, I think that's where we go back and forth on this. Cause then you're like, then you get into intent. Then you get to, was it intentional? Like it's just, I mean, you can go round and round in circles on it. Right. I think, you know, they, they muddied this water intentionally to, to make it so that it's a discretionary decision. And we're just kind of, we got to stick with this. Right. And this is the same shit in all sports. Like if, if you yeah, turn right. on the radio today, if you turn in the radio today, we're talking about, do we need to go to replays on roughing the passer penalties now after the Tom Brady situation this weekend in American <laughs> football, right? I mean, no, that's, that was a critical call in that game. That that's probably cost – I mean, could cost a head coach a position in the NFL with the Atlanta Falcons right now. So, I mean, we're dealing with this across the board in sports everywhere. It's just the fact that we have so much technology, we should be able to sort the shit out. We should have camera angles that can't get an offside call play. You know what I mean? It's just – we're and just dealing with problem. it across the board. That's the same thing that happened the first goal. The camera is not there or whatever. How the hell? I mean, these are like top. I, this is not fucking like championship or like division two. You, we got to be able yeah. to get that. Trevor says the handball rule has become like an yeah. umpire strike zone. No two refs call it the same. And that's why I feel like it's putting the referees even in a worse situation when you're trying to protect the VAR system or, you know, protect the process, I think they made it worse by making it even more of a gray area. But yeah, I mean, like you're saying, it's just until they make the rules a lot tighter, I think this is going to go on and on and on. I don't know why they would want these conversations rather than just like get it, you know, like a black and white uh, rule out there. So let's get to the penalty. Yali, let's start with you on this one. Is that a penalty? So I did not think it was a penalty in real time. I still don't think that Michael Oliver needs to call that a penalty. Once Michael Oliver calls it a penalty, I'm not overly chafed that VAR hasn't fixed it, sent him to the monitor because he sees contact. He sees Gabrielle goes over. And, you know, as a Liverpool supporter, I'm sitting here just saying, like, don't get cheeky with it. Don't get cute. Just clear the fucking ball. And none of this matters. So, like, for me, you're the ref, is it a penalty? Are you calling it, it a penalty? You're I'm not calling it. You have all access to I, it. Watch your I'm call. not calling that a penalty. I'm not personally calling that a penalty. I don't think that's a penalty in real time as I see it. But again, watching it, once it gets called, there's nothing they're going to do there. But you, so you watch it over in slow motion, you still would not call the penalty. No, I, I don't think there's enough there to actually call it a penalty myself personally, but I'm, I always look for like real contact that impedes the player and the match day officials were given explicit order this season to make sure that the contact actually met the reaction by the player. As in, if players threw themselves to the floor, they were not supposed, they were supposed to take that into account. And in my opinion, 
Jesus goes down after the contact. And for that alone, Michael Oliver had enough reason not to give a penalty for the amount of contact that they had. That was like an explicit direction from the PGMOL was to actually take into account the actual response to the contact and whether or not it was warranted for the reaction. And I don't feel in that case it was. Bickler, make Yo. the call. You got the VAR, you got everything. For the handball? No, for Jesus, Jesus diving. Oh, that never, that's not a penalty. I'm sorry. It's not a penalty. Hmm. There can, well, listen, here. you can have contact in the box. All right. There's no rule that says you can't have any contact in the box. It didn't impede his ability to shoot that ball to score at all. Like there, he bought that. All right. From a striker's Academy. He bought that. Yeah. Like sold it. Like that's, but that's not a penalty. I'm in the minority here. I think that's a penalty. Yep. I mean, I can see that being given as a penalty. I really don't have a huge deal with it. I'm not like, where the fuck did this call come out of? Because he is making cut. He is getting the ball. Thiago is not. Thiago is getting Jesus. Is it big enough? I mean, I don't understand and agree when they say there is not enough in it. If there's contact that's preventing you from doing what you're trying to do, it's a freaking foul. I mean, I think the problem is, same thing with the handball, we make like the rules are different inside the box. It's like NBA, like these are this is playoff basketball, like the rules fucking change or something. It's the same goddamn rule. If that happens in midfield, that's a foul, right? If Aces falls after touching the ball and Thiago makes contact with him, that's a foul. So there's this nuts in I don't even think that's a foul in midfield, to be quite honest. It's if it's not Aces can get the ball and he loses the ball, you don't think that gets called? I think in that situation with the ball coming in and he makes that challenge, I I mean, it, it gets called if he sells it, but I don't think it's a foul, even in midfield. I mean, and I agree, he sold it. And, you know, like, and I think, you know, going back to what you were saying, Gally, I think that, like, lag he had over there with his Wi-Fi and diving is mainly because I think he initially tried to play through the contact and then he was like, well, no fucking way, I guess I can't do it because it did impede him. I mean, you know, obviously somebody's making contact with you. It's going to impede what you're trying to do. And therefore, I think it's a penalty. But yeah, I mean, he basically sold it. But this goes back to, I guess, what are we trying to do? Because we get yell at Mo for like trying to stay up or we get mad at players for like freaking diving. But then a good forward galley can kind of win a penalty like that. Yeah, I mean, we we saw this last year. We won the Tottenham match on this Salah or uh, Mane basically dragged his foot against Aurier's on the back of his heel as he turned the corner and then went sprawling over. And we took that penalty all day long and we were happy as pigs and shit as Mo stepped up and buried it and we won the match. And Mane had a cheeky little smile as Serge Aurier just did this. like, And it's Serge Aurier, so everyone was like, well, you probably just lucky you didn't get a red card. But, I mean, everyone believed it, but we've seen this. Like, and if Mo got that penalty, we'd all be screaming, great penalty. But because this one happened to be, you know, Gabrielle getting that penalty, it's of all people. It, yeah, it's it's treason. And listen, it was soft. I think Michael Oliver got duped. I understand how he got yeah. duped. It was pretty well done. It was in a whole body of guys. And again. We had two chances to clear the ball yes. from that play before we even get to the penalty. Like usual this year, there were three opportunities for this team to do something like within normal reason of its of what we've witnessed, and they do none of which, and then cause and effect, we give up some shitty-ass goal. Here's my issue with this. If we're training linesmen to not make calls and raise the offside flag to give VAR the opportunity to take a look at it, why are we telling head match referees to make calls on bang bang situations in the box and potentially game changing situations that could go either way? That doesn't make, make sense. No sense. No. So would you? What would you rather do? Like just keep him playing and then let the VAR say, "Hey, that was something fucked up over there." I would. I would. Yes, a hundred percent. I would say I would use VAR the same way I, we're using it for offsides. But doesn't See, that go back to what we were talking about earlier? Is VAR going yeah. to make Oliver look bad? 
Well, that's, I think they, that's I think the we're problem. Bad. We're concerned about refs looking bad instead of getting the right calls. Yep. Yeah. But that's, it's the same thing. There are some that believe that like officiating in, we talked about American football earlier, that the officiating went down in American football as replay came back because it actually allows you to be protected by something to make mistakes and not make the critical and hard decision in real time on the fly because you are the one. I can't believe I'll say this. When VAR came in, I thought it would be great because it would clear up the glaring offside situation or the penalty that just needs to be called or the dive that gets missed. I think this creates more mistakes and questions than officiating. I question officiating now with video assistant refereeing more than I did six seasons ago before we had it. And I just question whether or not I, I believed in like the authenticity of that referee. I genuinely do because now it's a question of motive before it was either they made a mistake or they didn't. And what were they thinking now? It's genuinely, we get into these whole, you know, is it, was he playing into the home crowd? Is he trying to make up a call? Is he too proud that he got pissed off that he had to go look at the monitor last time? Like we bring that emotion into it to me. I think the referees would tell you they like this better, of course, before the video, but then again, everybody in sports liked everything better before instant replay. I just think it's the application. And we're going to end up getting semi-automated offsides into the league. I mean, they're doing it on the international level, and that's they're going to be bringing that to the leagues. And it probably can't come quick enough, to be quite honest. But I just think the application across the board is just a total failure. I mean, I think – I just don't understand why you'd apply – the VAR one way to one thing and not the other. It just makes no sense to me. And do you guys, I was thinking about this afterwards because that same day where, you know, I put my beard on the line, but didn't pay off. But I was watching the Fenerbahce game right afterwards. And I don't know. I, I've been bitching about this in the Turkish league where they take forever on these VAR calls. But I was watching that game and I was like, man, thank God there is VAR. Otherwise, we would have been screwed because they were given two penalties that were initially not given. But it feels like it takes a lot more damn longer for them to take a look at it. So all those games always like given like extra eight minutes, nine minutes and stuff like that. Do you guys think like we're trying to do it fast? So we're almost like rushing it, not taking a look at enough angles or the system is flawed anyway. doesn't matter how fast, how slow we do it, Gally. The problem comes down to the people who are actually administering it and the people administering it are the same buffoons that are on the match day squad. They're match day officials until it's a completely separate operation answering to a separate body. It will never change. It'll just be brothers covering for brothers. I think we're talking about this with Matos in the coffee show this morning about, you know, bringing, you know, every league talks about, I mean, the Turkish league talks about it, the freaking German league talks about it, you know, like nobody's happy with their refs, about bringing somebody else. And I feel like I wonder if the VAR was done by a different federation, it would be a lot more effective. Because, you know, they're not related. Because I feel like anybody you pick out of England, even if they, you know, they're freaking refs. They're still going to know these guys. Whereas you bring some Germans to watch the English, you take the English to watch the Germans. You know, how are you going to keep VAR separate so we don't think that Bickler, that they are kind of one hand is kind of taking care of the other? I don't know. I don't I don't have an answer. I mean, I really, I, I really don't know. Like, it's just, it's frustrating across the board. I mean, I think the thing that we can all admit, right, is that we were just at the end of the day, we can talk about all these things, but there's probably no change that's coming around the around the corner. And the fact is, is that we were overplayed over 90 minutes. And let's yeah. get to that. Let's get to that. That's the thing. We caused our own problems with the madness of putting a free kick in their box right before halftime and then not booting the ball away before the penalty. And honestly, I would argue that on that counter, just take a goddamn foul and get the yellow. You know, that's what those are for. Yeah. I mean, we had two different opportunities to take the foul as they're running that counter. It's going to be a yellow, stupid, you know, a yellow that shouldn't be given away, but better than a goal being given away. And we kind of like blew those opportunities. But there says it should be quick, though. And I agree. I mean, I do want it quick, but I want it right. I don't want it, you know, quick and still freaking wrong, like doubling up on the mistake just because it's quick, I guess. And I don't even know if that is the answer. It's just like something that I noticed that certain leagues, I know the Turkish league, and I see the Italian league too, they take a lot longer with those things. So um, 
what do you guys think though i mean after all this i mean i know a lot of people online that's why i kind of wanted to really delve into some of like the calls being made because i still feel bickler that you know this game was not really lost on a few calls did they affect the scoreline yes but did they affect the gameplay i mean if you were a betting man as they were like kind of like they kind of had us under pressure and before they got that penalty if you were a betting man of one team to score your money was probably going to be on arsenal yeah, I mean, I think if we walk away 2-2, like if I walk away with a draw in this game, 2-2, I feel good about that, and you're disappointed if you're Arsenal, and that probably tells you everything you need to feel about that and know about that. That's that's just the bottom line. So I think, you know, right now we're a mid-table team. We are 100% a mid-table team with some deep, deep issues. We just lost our starting right back, which is, you know, say what you want about Trent. We built an entire system around him. Yeah. We built an entire tactical system around Trent Arnold Alexander. We just lost him. We don't know for how long. Not good. We just lost our best player for the last year. Like since, since January last year, Diaz has been our best player. We just lost him for six to eight weeks. He also happens to be our only suitable cover on the right side for Mo. So now we literally have absolutely no depth behind Mo. We have no starting left winger. We have no starting right back. We're going to play Joe Gomez at right back, I'm assuming, who, like, Power. you know what? Next man up, it's his time to shine. And we said, you know, we want opportunities for Joe. But you got to remember, what has everybody complained about with Joe Gomez at right back? His positioning. So <laughs> we're back We're back to that. And we're we also injury prone, which leads us to the fact that now we've just cut another member of the center back depth. There are issues all over the place in the squad, all over the place. I will say, silver lining, Nunes looked like a handful. So, yeah. I mean, if, if we could take something nice away from this game, I'll end it on a positive there. I thought Nunes truly looked like a handful. I almost felt like, you know, watching Nunes, by the way, is, you know, I got the same feeling that I got when I was watching Holland earlier in the season, in the preseason for City, where he was making all these runs that were not kind of capitalized on. And he kept making him, he kept making him. I felt, you know, Nunes was making some great runs on that in that game and the pass never got there or it got there late. So I know he looked like he freaking, he's off all the time, but at least half of those I felt because the pass was released too late. I mean, the dude has speed to burn. So just, you know, let him run, give him that he had the space and he was seeing those spaces making those runs. And I felt like we didn't capitalize on it. So let's get to this game coming up champions league because that's one thing i wanted to ask you guys i know galley it's way too early in terms of you know number of practices getting the system and all that kind of stuff that club would say but do you think ramsey with the familiarity he has with the scottish football has a chance at starting right back or do you think it is going to be the safe bet of gomez i think actually on wednesday i think it's going to be milner on and right on back I do. Well, there I, goes think, Trevor I think Trevor is saying at 3 a.m. on the horizon that nobody is wanting more Milner minutes. You think Milner is going to be right I, I, I think Milner is going to play some right back here. I, I don't think he's going to start. Um, I'm sorry, my brain is mush, but I, I don't think he'll start Ramsey in the Champions League on the road at Rangers at Ibrox in his first ever appearance for Liverpool as a young Scottish kid. No, I don't. That's not a Jurgen Klopp move. Um, that's a move to get a kid a red card five minutes into his <laughs> debut for Liverpool. Um, I really don't. I, I, and I'm telling you, maybe it's Gomez, and then you'll get something you want even less, which is <laughs> Milner defending Phil Foden. <laughs> <laughs> no, guys, because uh, I'm serious. I, I, I do think he's – I genuinely – I, I do, fucking can't with this anymore, dude. Paul almost just took his whole entire it just feels, he almost took the stadium down year. with him. It feels like that Saturday Night Live skit with the deal with the devil where like you know, like it'd be like, <laughs> all right, I'm gonna you guys are gonna win a Premier League and you're gonna be great for a number of years, but then I get one Damn year where I get to do whatever Trent I want started, and you have to watch. <laughs> Trent started versus man you. We all know Trent started versus man you. We were down three players, and honestly. There were no expectations on the team at that time. 
they weren't trying to pull themselves out of a tailspin. I just don't see him starting a young Scottish kid who's never made an appearance, hasn't even made the bench. I just don't I'm see him like getting that start in the Champions League at Ibrox. You think he starts? I'm not saying I'm, that's. I didn't say I think he starts because I don't think Klopp would start him. But I think he's familiar. He's played there. You know, he is the most familiar with that stadium out of anybody in the squad. So I but, felt like if he has a shot at starting, especially looking ahead to the City game, maybe it might not be a bad idea even in a game that, you know, we necessarily don't have to win and he can sit back and defend. Oh, I, I think we I don't have think to Klopp win will it. do it. I'm just saying in the situation you're at, you don't have a right back and you want to save. I mean, I sounds scary by itself, but you want to save Gomez for City as right back. You need somebody there. You think if they don't win and get three points on Wednesday, they have a good chance of securing advancement yeah. out of this group, even without a win? Yeah, I don't think this is a must-win game, no. Wow. Do you think it's a must-win game, Bickler? I mean, I mean, you I, I think in this game. current form, it sure is. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, well, I mean, we shouldn't have beat Ajax at home too. <laughs> we we, we shouldn't have beat we shouldn't have beat Ajax at home. It took an 89th minute header from a defender to pop up on a corner after we hadn't gotten a shot on goal for the entire second half. But that's I mean, you can't make it a must win based on form. I'm just saying in terms of I, like you know because results. I mean, shit, we're at the form. We're playing this game in the current form too. So you guys are saying this form is only barely enough to beat Rangers. That's why we have to win this game. I'm saying because I think if you don't get three points in this and leave after with seven points after these, or if you don't have the nine points from these three matches, I think you could have a tough match in the Netherlands playing Ajax. And then, you know, Napoli handily beat you and is playing as well as anyone right now in all of Europe. So I think their form comes into play here. You still got to acquire the points to get through. So I think three points here is a is if we get three, I think you can be safely feel like you're moving through. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. If you don't get three points, I don't know you can guarantee progression. And if you want to talk about this season going from bad to worse, get to the World Cup and have us not looking at Champions League football and looking at the Europa League for the second half of this campaign. Yeah, that's I mean, a hits just keep on coming, Dickler. But like I said, I, I mean. I mean, in terms of like, it's not a must-win game where you're gonna be going out like attacking like crazy, where you can play that kid to be a safer. Would Klopp do it? I don't think so. I don't think he would roll the dice because I agree that trans situation was totally different and it's not his normal thing. And you still have Gomez. I just would be afraid to see Gomez back to back. So maybe we will see Milner. On that note, Bickler, give us a lineup for Thursday. I mean Wednesday. Hopefully not soon Thursday. It's like Galley's saying, but <laughs> uh Simicus, uh Burge again. Kanate. Okay. Uh Gomez at right back. Um uh, I think we see Fab here just because he's got some rust in him. Fabinho. I could see Harvey here for some reason. I feel like it's going to be Harvey. Fabinho, so you think we're going back Har to four three three? Yes, I do. Okay. Unfortunately, I do. I think it's going to be Fabinho, Harvey, uh, Thiago. Um, I know. I don't love it either. I just – I feel like you've named the whole roster. I'm happy with you. <laughs> no, I, I haven't. Mo's going to uh, start. I think Mo will start. I think I think, I think Mo will start, and I think it's gonna be, I think I think it's gonna be Jata Nunes Mo, um, and an unsolicited opinion, I would find a way to play Mo centrally. I really would. I I think at at some point we've got to figure out how to get him back in front of goal. Um, it's Maybe not gonna happen. I think Nunes to the wing. Uh huh. I would I wing. would shift I would shift Nunes left. I would play Joda most right. centrally, Joe to right. I know it's unconventional, probably won't see it, but that's that's desperate times, man. I would that's what I would do if I was the manager. And I'm thankfully for everybody else, I'm not. <laughs> 
Well, I don't know. Uh, I, I'm not against it, but I mean, in terms of because yeah. he likes sliding towards. I I really liked what I saw from him this game. So I'm hoping the more he does that, the more confidence he builds in a game like this. And I agree. I think Mo will be out there, um, and Jota will be out there because he did get out early as well. How about you, Gally? What do you have? I mean, yeah, we do lose. I mean, within all this mess about you know Oliver and stuff like that, losing Diaz is going to hurt a lot because. Clearly, I mean, you take, you know, I think I was talking about this uh, before the game uh, that morning about, you know, like who you would say the MVP is for the season so far. And you would probably pick Ali Allison. And, you know, that's kind of scary when you pick a goalie, despite all these goals we got scored on as the MVP. But if you picked a player who pays in the outfield and you would probably pick, you know, like a field player as you would pick Diaz. But what do you have for your lineup there, Gally? I mean, I don't know about you guys. What the fuck, you haters? I would pick Bobby if I was picking any. Oh, third tables. <laughs> I mean, let's be real. I mean, Christ, what's with you, haters? God, put some fucking. Yeah, actually, on that I was. Man's you know, name. I've been so miserable with the scores. I didn't even get the opportunity to kind of like rub in your Bobby hate and his cool listen, finishing over that listen. one. One hundred percent, one hundred percent earned and awarded. That's why I made the own joke at myself there. Um, <laughs> so as far as uh, you know, I I too am gonna say like Virgil probably plays, but there's part of me that wonders if he won't, and here's why: I fully expect Kanate to start on Sunday against City. I think you need his pace to help whoever is the right back, whether it's old bones Milner, whether it's the young freaking Scottish lad or whether or not it's Gomez playing on 72 hours rest. I think Kanate is playing from the start. So I think you could actually afford to play Matip in both of these matches if you wanted to. Knowing he's going to rest on the weekend, Kanate needs minutes more than anyone, and Virgil needs a break. That all makes too much sense for Klopp to do it, so Virgil will be out there wearing the armband. Um, Fabinho should start. I think Elliot probably will. I would like to see them actually play with the four up top, and I'd like to see Carvalho actually play behind the striker, whoever it is, whether it's Mo through the center. But I have this feeling it's just going to be Nunez because I think – you build off of what was his best performance in a red shirt. And I know he had the, you know, the goal and the assist against Fulham. He had the great community shield, you know, appearance, but what he did against Arsenal against the top side, I thought showed all of his highlights from some good finishing, good striking, um, popping up in the right spots. And he scored, you know, a real striker's goal by basically yeah. making the right runs and more importantly, the right movement to get his body in position to, to tap it in, which is what you got to do. So I think Nunez is, you could pencil Nunez in as the first name on the team sheet. Um, and other than that, it's probably Allison and a whole bunch of what the fuck. Man, when is Ox going to be back? Um, so I can, Give a good yeah. opportunity for him. Uh, Pickler, I know it's impossible these days, but before we wrap it up here, give us a score prediction for this Wednesday game. Jamie was saying earlier that we get the easier games, but I don't know, man. This was more miserable. At least they were talking about a win last week. Uh, <laughs> we always talk about some Premier League misery, and I hate to say it, I don't expect anything different next Monday, sadly. This is weird because it feels like a it feels like a spot where like I mean we're we're struggling we're in a tailspin we can't get anything to work this feels like a spot where we struggle but for some weird reason I feel like three nil like I feel like we're I feel for some reason and this is probably gonna backfire in just like just a horrible way positive but no I I really feel I really feel like we're gonna go in and get a three nil victory and a clean sheet feel really good about ourselves roll in the weekend and get absolutely smoked. Like, like, that feels like the call here. That took a dark turn. Um, <laughs> Gally, what do you have? Yeah, I, I'm kind of with Paul. I, I just don't think this team that we're playing is any good. And I think when you have this different level, like I'm not sure that this side would survive relegation if they played in the Premier League. So I genuinely think like we say, oh, we're playing against the championship side. 
we are playing against championship side and I think we'll handle them like we do, you know, maybe it's three nil, maybe it's three one and they squeak one out or they score off a set piece or we, you know, turn our guard down because we've proven we can do that. But I think we're just too strong. We have too many options. We'll have five substitutes from the bench and they let you bring 150 subs to champions league match week. So, you know, we could bring all of Kirby with us and I think we'll still be okay. I agree. I mean, I, I agree to everything you said. I, that's the kind of game I'm expecting, like 3-0, 3-1. And it's going to be very similar to BJ says, I bet they score first, though. Man, don't even... <laughs> I'm more expecting, actually, like, um, more like what you're saying, Ali, a healthy lead that makes us, you know, drop the guard and be like, oh, what the hell, like, they scored. Damn, it's kind of a deal uh, more than anything else. But, yeah, I think it's going to be similar to last week where you got to win but it didn't really tell you anything or it didn't make you feel any better about the season or anything like that. But at the same time, I think it will put us in the driving seat to be right behind Napoli in that group um, moving forward because I really think Napoli is going to beat our, uh, Ajax again because, uh, yeah, they are in like a really good form. That is a really, really solid team. And I know we played shit, but that was like a really good team. And Matush says, do we have a healthy five subs right now? Um, yeah, problem is it's like Phillips, Gomez, Milner, Kanate. <laughs> Gomez is playing. Gomez is oh, yeah, playing. Kanate is playing too. Oops. Oops. <laughs> Oops. Uh, yeah, I don't know who's left, but I'm bring some kids. We'll yeah, we, we got Elliot. Don't center. worry. They tell me they keep telling me that Jones is in training. Jones is in training. Yet Jones isn't in a match day squad, and Phillips is, even though we have seven center backs on the bench. That should let you know how well Jones is training. <laughs> Trevor says, "Time to brush up on the youth team." Yeah, I'm thinking like they pulled the bus over there. They're like, "Hey, we need three more." Scotland, who's got it? Three more, and then whoever jumps on the bus. We'll take him with us. They probably got Curtis like Jones him. jogging over to Nabby Lad's place out in the bushes, like asking if he's going to come out today or not. <laughs> he's gonna... <laughs> Nabby's just like pulling the curtain closed. He's he's playing cards, lowering the blind. <laughs> yeah, Man, I'll come out during the transfer. Wi- I'll come out during the January transfer window. And that's another thing. I mean, the whole Arthur thing. I don't think we even got a chance to talk about it on the Monday podcast. Um, now, I mean, we get that guy and he's working with the kids and all that kind of good stuff. And now he's out uh, for a long period of time. We've lost Diaz until after the World Cup. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to start this conversation this late into the podcast, but real quick with a yes and no and quantity answer, what kind of, uh, what does that do for January? How many people, do people come in and how many people come in? Real quick, Bickler, go. It doesn't impact January at all because he'll play the exact same amount of minutes he was going to play anyway, which is zero. Um, oh, not for I, Arthur in general. I'm just saying the overall situation. Uh, I wish I knew. I, I I wish I could say confidently we're gonna like we need three we need three or four bodies. I don't think I, I don't feel like we're gonna get anybody. Galley. I can see this side signing a player or two, but they won't be the player or two that they need. They need four or five impactful players, and those players arrive in the summer. Yeah, I feel I I think so too. I think we get a couple of players, but they're more like the the tacky style uh, kind of player who we probably won't see till like March or April, <laughs> or like maybe like a Ben Davies kind of. Like, I I don't know. I I think you know we will bring people in. Uh, I just don't know if you'll move people out. I guess this in the rest of this October, which as painful as it's going to be to watch this rest of October here now, but it'll say a lot about, I think, what's going to happen during that whole World Cup and the transfer window. Well, gentlemen, I would love to say next Monday will be a lot happier, but hey, you never know. you got to keep the goddamn hope up there. But at least let's hope we get a win on Thursday. Let's keep going on the Champions League. Winning that might be our shot at going back there next year at this rate. Uh, but you never know what's going to happen after January. I think it's more about you know getting to those knockout stages and then taking it one opponent at a time. So it, you know, sadly, let's hope we don't go back to the cup club days uh, that we always have been in the you know over the last couple of decades. But uh, no, I have faith in terms of like you know 
turning around some of the stuff and moving forward better, starting with this Wednesday, people. Keep up the positivity. I kept the beard and everything. So thanks a lot for everybody joining. As always, I'll be here first thing in the morning with Trevor with the coffee show, and the gang will be here with you guys on Thursday nights uh, talking about the Rangers game. Have a great week, everybody. Take care.